I do believe that the Lord has something for us this morning, uh, but I almost feel like what he had has for us came in the worship. And, and if you had the ears to hear and the eyes to see, to tap into that, to realize that, uh, that uh, his presence is more important than anything that we would ever desire or want. And that's what it should be. His presence is, do I walk in his presence? Do I know his presence? Do I, as Jonathan was saying, do I feel his presence? And even though you don't always have to feel his presence to know he's here, you can feel his presence. But, but you have to step into that. You have to be willing to cross the threshold I have found on my journey. It can't be and it's never been, oh, you know, I'm just going to sit back here and relax. And if Jesus wants to do something, he'll do it. How many have found that to be so not true? I'll tell you what, you sit in that position for very long and you'll find yourself drifted down the river. You'll be way down the river before you realize that you're down there. If you've ever gone fishing in a boat and you've just kind of sat there without an anchor, you know what I'm talking about. It may not feel like there's a heavy current, but there's enough current to get you down away from where you started or where you thought the fish were supposed to be. And, and, and all of a sudden you just kind of look up and you realize that. But you were so into your fishing that you didn't. And it's kind of like that with Christianity. If I just allow myself to drift... If I don't have some intentionality about my daily life, I will find myself drifting away. I'll find myself so far from God that I, would never, I won't feel him. I won't experience him. I won't hear from him. Uh, and you know, we, last week we talked about the times and the seasons with the, through the book of Judges and how it, it said repeatedly that they followed God. And then uh, he was blessing them and, 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 and leading them and directing them. And then it goes to say, and then they didn't follow God. And, and everything started going wrong. But it didn't go wrong overnight. It just started going wrong. It didn't go wrong because God was mad at them. It went wrong because they drifted away from the source of life. They, sift, they, 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 they were able to just drift away, uh, unknowingly almost, to this point way away from God. And, and I think we've all been in the position where we're just doing life, and all of a sudden, we run into something where something doesn't go quite right, or maybe something really falls apart, or something very unexpected happens, and what do we find ourselves doing? Feeling like we got to run back to God. Come on, I've been there. Have you been there? You know, it's just that type of thing. Oh, wow. It just kind of wakes you up. It's the mercy of God tapping you on the shoulder and saying, hey, you've drifted way away and you don't even realize it. And, and, and I've been, you know, again, fishing enough to realize how Really easy that is, and uh, and yet the Lord is calling His people back, and and, and right now it's, it's you know we're going through some amazing turmoil in our nation, and I believe it's because we've drifted away. We've drifted away. Now I have some interesting good news for you, okay, and and that is is that in the midst of the drift last year a whole lot more people started turning to God. 
And I did this research, and uh, uh, some of you, how many have version Bible on your phone? Okay. Or how about the, uh, the, any other version of the Bible on your phone? The amount of uh, research, the amount of people that were on some sort of a Bible app was into the billions last year. Not millions, I said B for billions. Downloading that app, going to it on a daily basis, uh, and, and so forth. And, and, and that was just on the two that I checked out, and there's many more than two. I just checked out version and uh, Blue Letter Bible. And I was absolutely, I, I guess I just sat back when I read the, the numbers of people that were going to the Bible. And they, and they put down what the searches are, too. You can kind of go through and find out quite a bit about it, you know. And the searches were about fear. The searches, the, the, the searches were about anxiety. The, the searches uh, were uh, just, uh, just, again, into the billions. And I just thought, well, God, <laughs> maybe, because to me, that's seed planted. The Bible says his word never returns void. So all I have to do is just to read it one time, and in my interpretation, and in my translation, interpretation to that, to that particular scripture is that once the word gets in, it says it doesn't return void. It bounces around inside of me until it reaches its goal. Whether you're saved or unsaved, it's just something starts happening. You can't, you can't, you can't, can't get away from it. And so I'm thinking, well, billions of scriptures have been out. And, 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 uh, and again, I, I didn't search it out exhaustively because that was enough for me to hear that. And I thought, God, that's, that's, that's really good news. That's more good news for this past year. People turned to the Lord. And so I just, you know, just want to encourage us in, in uh, just the day that we're living in, uh, Charles Dickens in The Tale of Two Cities uh, has this uh, quote in his book, and, and I think it really resonates, really you'd think it was written this year. It's the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness. It was the season of light, it was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven, and we're all going direct in another way. Man, I thought when I read that and, and, and remember the, that, I thought, wow. That, that kind of describes today, doesn't it? It's just all over the board. And I know that many of us are wrestling with many things about, you know, where we're at and what's happening. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's causing us to be one of the billions that are turning back here to find out. And to see, what, Lord, what are you saying? I, I believe, and, and again, it comes back to that thing. Do you just know information about the Bible or has it become or is it becoming revelation to you? And, and, and Revelation is, is very clear. Uh, the, the cartoons would say you would get Twitterpated by it. All of you singles are saying, ooh. 
but your Twitter painted by it. Something inside stirs inside of you. It's not like reading any other book, but revelation begins to come to you. And it comes to you in different areas and in different ways. And I found it fascinating how that in reading the word, it just kind of brings a light and shines a light. And it may have nothing to do with what that specific scripture I read said, but revelation just breaks through. And all of a sudden, I'm beginning to see things I've never seen before. That's how you got saved. Somebody shared the truth with you. And one day, that truth just exploded inside of you with what? Revelation. Right? I, I need to know you're out there. That's what's happened. It's just a, it, it was a divine revelation because no one comes to him unless he pulls them in. And you feel the pull. And, 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 and yes, maybe it's tug of war for you, but you felt the pull and you, got, you lost. So you're here born again today because of his persistence and his love and his, his power and the power of his words. I tell you, if we would just begin to understand, I think, sometimes uh, the, the magnificence of God, the magnificence of God. And, and when he said in, in, his, in, in the Bible, when he said that, you know, your ways are just not my ways and your thoughts are not my thoughts, that, that was meant to prompt us to think a different way and to go another way. And to get in connected, which brings us back to, am I getting into his presence? Not only on Sundays, although this provides a beautiful corporate opportunity that God said, I don't want you to stay without and don't be without. Don't forsake that gathering because he wants to do something special here. There's, an, there's something that happens in this type of gathering, but it needs to be happening all week long, too where I'm making opportunity for this relationship with my heavenly father. And I found, and, and, and I found it before I was saved. And I found it after I got saved that he really does talk a lot. He really does. He will communicate, especially when you ask him. And doesn't the Bible say, I don't have because I don't? You know, he's saying, what's he saying? Talk to me. There's something about our words that have so much power in them that even when I say my own words out loud, it does something inside of me as well as toward God. That's, you know, it, it, we, we can't even imagine the power of our words. Even though we know that when he made everything, he did it with what? Words. And he spoke the word and it came into to being. And as a son and a daughter, you have that same, uh, that same ability. Right? You have that same capability because you're made in his likeness and his image. And I, and I think we struggle sometimes simply because we don't realize that. So we let so much come out of our mouth that we shouldn't that it kind of counters everything God's trying to do because we've created, he, he gave you that power. I think that's totally, totally amazing. Um, I was thinking about uh, this this past week and, you know, with you just seeing the news and seeing what's happening and, you know, just having so much confusion around it all. I began to realize that uh, 
Satan is in this more than most people want to acknowledge or know to acknowledge. And so we're looking at it so naturally, it's almost like a distraction for us from seeing what the Holy Spirit's doing. And if we could just tap into what he's doing, it will come with what? Righteousness, peace, and joy, because that's what he is. And if anything that I'm receiving in directs me somewhere else, I have to understand what the source of that something else is. Right? I mean, you can just tell. What is the source of that? What is the source of what I'm letting into myself? And, and, and begin to uh, really maybe uh, get a clue as to what God's doing. So here's a, just a couple thoughts. You know, is anybody tired of listening to the, hearing the lies of the devil? Then why are, why are you going, when are you going to stop listening and believing them? And I was just sitting there, uh, when I wrote that statement down in my preparations, I was reminded of the time uh, in, uh, when I was 26 years old and just cruising along through life and starting to do my own thing, been saved about two years, and I found myself in a hospital with doctors all around me telling me that I was going to die. They were so convinced that I was going to die that they literally brought all of my family in. I remember hearing my sister crying in the hallway. They brought all of my family through to say goodbye. And I remember just going through that process. And, uh, and, 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 and then... Uh, they were so convinced, the doctor said they were so convinced I was going to die that they didn't put a permanent trach in me, they just put a temporary tracheotomy in me. Because the, the attack on my body through Guillain-Barre was so severe. So as I lay there, and obviously I didn't die, so for the next seven weeks, I lay there in that bed, totally paralyzed, up to my nose. The only thing I could do is blink my eyes, which became my form of communication. And as I lay there for the next seven weeks, they started saying to me, well, you know, you're going to have to go live in a convalescent-type home, some kind of a medical facility, uh, because you're, you, you can't be taken care of at home. You're on a ventilator, you're on, every, you're on a feeding tube, you're on everything. I weighed 90 pounds. I tried to get a, a picture of that, and I, I couldn't pull it down quick enough. Uh, and, and so you're going to go to this convalescent home forever, the rest of your life. They're going to take care of you. I can remember calling my brother, the only saved one in the family at the time, and saying, man, you can't do that. You can't let this happen. And I had lots of people praying for me, and, 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 and I'm laying there really with so much peace because of God's presence in that hospital the whole time through, so much peace that, that the picture I would have showed you if I could pull it up uh, would have had a smile on my face with all this stuff on me, the, all the equipment on me, the, and, and, and 90 pounds, uh, and, and so forth. And, and, and so... Uh, as that time came near and they were ready to ship me off, and I'm wondering, you know, wow, what in the world? Uh, then through prayer, all of a sudden, God spoke to one of the ladies in the church and said, hey, I'm going to heal him on Saturday. 
It was a Wednesday, and she was, thank goodness, a good old Pentecostal that knew how to pray things through, you know, didn't just pray once and call it good, but fought and fought and fought until Saturday and believed so much that on Saturday she came to the hospital. And it was at the time that I'm laying on my bed and all of a sudden I'm seeing the life just come back into my body over a maybe 10-minute span. It was so strong and impactful on the equipment that they have in intensive care that I was hooked to because, see, I couldn't speak. I couldn't move. And, and, and I wish I would have asked them the question is, how did you know? Because the next thing I know, there's several doctors around the, the bed and they're asking me, what is going on? A week later, I'm home. The, the doctors, you know, almost, yeah, let's give God the glory on it. The doctors, almost miraculous, unbelievable, those type of statements on it. And I, I thought about that and, and thought about, you know, God's timing and, you know, why God? Why, why didn't you answer the first prayer? Why did it take two months in the hospital, unable to move? sometimes in terrible pain because of the effects of this type of thing. And, 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 then I think, and then I thought about, you know, remember the story of Daniel and the lion's den? Why did he have to get thrown into the den? You know, why couldn't the miracle happen before? Why did God wait and let him get thrown into the den to do the miracle? And then I thought about Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, an absolute story that shows how mad, how mad people can get. We've seen that through the year, how angry people can get. That when, they get, when it came to Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, what does it say? It says that they said, turn the fire up, was it seven times? Seven times. I thought, really? It's like it's going to make a difference? You know, I mean... <laughs> Well, you know, it didn't make any sense, but there was such anger in there that they were willing to do whatever. And I thought, well, uh, you know, Lord, I wonder what Meshach and Shadrach and Abednego were thinking. Well, we, we, we kind of know because they were sold out on God and their trust, right? Yeah. They said, hey, whatever happens, happens. We don't care. We're on God's side. We're good to go with this. They get thrown into the fire. So they have to go into the fire. And then Jesus meets them there. And a total miracle takes place. Oh, the timing of God. Will we understand it? Do we need to understand it? I, I don't know. I think sometimes we get hung up on his timing. And, and it kind of throws us off. I think about the children of Israel leaving Egypt. And here comes the enemy. And they're up against the flood. But you know, you know what it did? It just kind of revealed their heart, didn't it? Kind of revealed their trust in God. You know, they were all anxious. Remember, they started complaining about Moses and so forth. And it, it just kind of proved to be, wow, that's where it's really in us. Maybe we weren't really believing. Maybe we were unbelieving believers. And we were just, you know, following. And yet God somehow takes this time to do that. And... and um, I'm thinking about 
You know, even today and where we're at as a nation, where we're at as a church, where we're at as an individual, what's going through our minds right now? What, what are we wrestling with? Do we know that we really are in a spiritual warfare? And if I don't really know that, I'm going to spend a lot of energy in a natural warfare instead of a spiritual warfare. And I just don't know that you can win the natural warfare. But as I'm looking at the landscape of things, I'm just like, Lord, you know, help us, help us, help us. Daniel 11.32, and uh, I don't have any of these up there on the, on the PowerPoint. Referring to the end times, it says, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32. The the, the principle was, do you know your God? Which is what we were kind of, the whole service kind of this morning is giving us opportunity to step into the presence of God and not just be here. Not just have another gathering. Not just be here and, uh, you know, whatever. See somebody. But we had this opportunity, and he said that if I know him, that, 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 that I will be strong, and even greater than that, I will do exploits. And believe me, we need some exploits about now. Satan is trying to rob us of maybe the most important thing that we own. And I'm wondering how we're doing. <laughs> how Am I doing? How are you doing? We know that he's a thief, right? He came to steal. He came to kill. And he came to destroy. But we also know that Jesus came to do the opposite. Here's John 14 and verse 12. It says, Verily I say unto you, He that believes in me, the works that I do... Uh, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, uh, because I go unto my Father. He's referencing to the fact that he was going to send his Spirit back to us. And in, in the course of that, we would all have his power, the power of his Spirit, to do something great. But if I'm so distracted with the natural, I'm going to maybe miss this part. And I'm going to just try to fight in the natural, and I just don't know uh, that that's what we should be doing. Luke chapter 22. Now, this one is up there, uh, Alex. Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32 is uh, the scripture that uh, I have been just mulling over for just weeks now. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, and and you'll all be familiar with this. Behold, Satan has desired to has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not, and that when you're converted or brought back afresh, strengthen the brothers. And so what we're seeing here, and this is just before his death, things are about to go awry for everybody because they thought he was going to be a natural king and that was going to be the answer, right? 
That's what his disciples thought. But now we're down to the wire here, and it's looking like he's really going to lose the battle. Whatever he said really isn't going to happen. And his disciples were beginning to get discouraged. And they were facing this big challenge of, wait a minute, what is going on? And, and their faith was beginning to diminish. And, and their testimony began to diminish with their faith. And, 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 and yet Jesus is trying to get a hold of, of Peter. And it's interesting that he calls him by actually his childhood name, Simon, Simon. And many commentators say that Jesus was trying to just pull him back from where he'd gotten to in his thinking. So he would come back and he would really pay attention. And it's kind of Des gave an illustration of how his father would whistle lightly when they were out playing in the, the tall grass, the elephant grass. And then he'd come back in a few minutes and whistle a little bit louder. And, and they knew when they had, which whistle they had to respond to. And it's kind of like that, Simon, Simon. And, and, and he says, listen, behold, Satan has desired you. And this is another interesting point because I need this to be pulled into each one of us this morning. The word you there is plural. So he's saying to all of us, Satan has desired, he has desired to sift you as wheat. He's after you. It's, he's after all of Christianity. And that's when you know the devil's really at work when the attack turns toward faith and turns towards Christianity. So you really got to perk up and say, wow, what is really happening? When stuff begins to go completely against the morality of God, what is happening? It's more demonic than you think. And then he goes on. And says this, and this is so encouraging. But I've prayed for you that your faith wouldn't fail. So you see, the target of Satan is to get your faith to start faltering, to get you to begin to turn back to fear, turn back to wondering if God's word's really true, if God's really gonna do what he said he's gonna do. And this is the specific attack that he's trying to point out to Peter. He wants to sift you so that he can steal your faith. I looked at the word sift, and I found it to be very interesting by definition. It means to, to shake in a sieve. And I think some of you know what that is. It's just kind of a round thing that has a handle on it and a screen in the bottom of this thing. And you use it to uh, sift through and get all of the large chunks out just for simplicity and let the fine stuff go through. And uh, from a biblical perspective, listen to the, 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 the application of this. By inward agitation to try one's faith to the verge of overthrow. Satan has come to try your faith to get you to overthrow it. And as I read that, I thought, wow, what, you know, what a warning. He knew what he was about to face. He knew he was going to go and be in the grave for three days. He knew that when he went in there after being crucified, that all of his followers would say, can this really happen? Can we still have a miracle happen? Do you believe God can still do miracles? Do you believe that he can still part a Red Sea if he needs to part it? Do you, you, know, do you believe he can walk you through the fire and keep you from being burned? 
These are dynamic, supernatural, uh, biblical, proportionate uh, miracles that needed to happen. And so Jesus is now about to go into the grave, and he's about to spend three days. And I think to me, and just as a side note here, is that, you know, what we do when we as an individual, or we as a church, or we as a nation, or we as a uh, universal church, um, how are we responding today to things? Do you still have faith for a miracle? I think we need to. I really do. I, I really, really, really do. And I'm not being political here at all. I'm just talking about the world is in desperate need, and the only answer, according to the Bible, is the church. And, and it's not a prideful statement, is it? It's just the reality that our answer was in Jesus Christ. And, and, and so that's the real answer that we can deliver to people. But guess what? It might take a miracle for that to happen at the look of things. But I'm still going to believe. I just want you to know I'm still believing for a miracle. I long to be in the day where I experience a phenomenal miracle like that. I long for the day to see maybe all the seeds that were planted last year by the word of God into people's hearts and minds explode into a beautiful revival of souls. Come on, I mean, honestly, I, I want to be a part of that. And I, and I just think, Lord, you know, I, I want to be a part of that. I think, well, uh, I just want to be a part of that, Lord. The, the, another definition for sift is the act of sifting something, especially so as to isolate or separate that which is most important or useful. So the enemy wants to separate you from having the type of faith that you should have. How many know that there are different types of faith in the Bible? There, there really are. And I wonder sometimes even, I'm sure, I've just unfortunately been around almost as long as Alan and Pam have been married. Uh, <laughs> it's blonde. It's not gray. It's blonde. So why don't I just wrap up this morning, just running through a couple things. These are uh, toward the end on the PowerPoint, Alex, uh, the different kinds of faith. And I want to just leave this with you, and, and hopefully it's not too choppy here this morning. We'll try to organize something a little bit better for you next week. But I believe the Lord has a message for us this morning. Some people, and for some of you here today, this will just be a, a remembrance. Yeah, I remember. That's right. That's true. And it'll help you because you remember it now. For others, it's going to be like brand new. You've never really heard this before. You just thought, well, faith is just something, you know, I just go to church and I'm, I guess I'm a man of faith or a person of faith. I got saved, so now I have faith. And granted, all of you have been given faith, but that faith that was given to you was given to you in seed form. And so that has to be cultivated. And this is the point I want us to catch. And this is what we see here. So let me just go through these quickly, and we'll, we'll organize them better and get your notes if you need to later. But the Bible says this, 
uh, you have, some people have little faith. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 26, if you want to write some of those down, you'll see it. It says, you'll remember, oh, you of little faith. In other words, you've put so many limitations on God that today you can't believe for him to part the Red Sea. You're, you're just, you know, you're just hanging in there now. There's the, the Bible in Luke 8, 13 talks about having temporary faith. And you talk about the story of the parable where they go onto the rock, they receive the word with joy, and they have no root, and then when the heat comes up, it takes off. It's a temporary faith. Then there's also in the scripture, which is good, is there's strong faith. In Revelation chapter, Romans 4, verse 20 says, He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He's highlighting this because he wants us to know there's different kinds of faith. And that I need to grow my faith. Then James chapter 2 and verse 18 talks about active faith. Yes, a man may say that he has faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you uh, my faith by my works. So your faith moves you into action. Some people, again, great faith, Matthew 8, 10. Remember Jesus marveled and he says, man, I just, uh, I haven't seen that kind of faith in all, kind of, all of Israel. So there's great faith. And then this is a scary part in chapter Mark in verse, uh, chapter 4 and verse 40. It says, And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? So it's a question of faith here compared to or allowing fear to come in because I don't have that faith. And again, like I said earlier, I think if we are experiencing things other than what the Bible calls his kingdom, we should just take a look at it again. And so there's, there's, there's just different, uh, um, different levels of faith. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 20 says, And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are, very, uh, they are a very forward generation, children in whom there is no faith. Today, if I could say one thing, I would say, how's your faith doing? If I would say there's one thing that God would be challenging us up in this day is how's our faith? How is your faith? Is it good? Is it no faith? Is it weak faith? Is it little faith? Or is it great faith? And how will we get it from point A to point B? Because I sincerely believe we need to have great faith now. I don't think we should wait a long time. I don't think we should wait for things to get any worse. But I think we should maybe begin to adjust the course of history because we called on the name of the Lord. Right? That's what they did. They called on the name of the Lord. And many times, as soon as the church, the people of God, did that, he took care of the enemy. And I just believe with all of my heart today... If you hear what I'm saying, and we can tap into this and let's get right back to God and let's make sure we're one of the billion that's getting right back into the word of truth and saying, God, how am I doing? I believe he's going to change things in that miraculous type of a way. Let's pray.
want us to pray for our nation also. I will lead in it, but I do want you to agree with it. Right now, whether you really understand it or know it or not, and I don't think we're hearing the truth about it, there's a lot of other nations that are looking to our nation right now and saying, don't fall. Don't fall. Don't give in. And I might say this, that I think they recognize it's God that has been with us. And it's the God that we've sent to them that they've been receiving. There's revival going on. It's just we don't have the, the you know, we just need, you know, the, the heaven screen to be able to see it. But God is moving. And I believe, as even as Dev said yesterday, I want us to hear the call of God. What's the call of God coming to you these days? And how is it, how, how, how are you responding to it? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray right now for everyone, Lord, in particular those that are online, right here, that, Father, the the power of just your word and, and your presence this morning would touch us in a deep way. And we know that the enemy wants to sift us like wheat and steal our faith from us. But God, you want to water the seeds of faith that you put in us. And I pray today that everyone would experience the watering of the Word of God. And that the seed that we have that you've put within us would spring up and begin to grow. And we would become, God, the people of great faith that you're looking for. And even in your Word to us, you're greatest challenge was that when you return will you find faith on the earth God I pray for those now that are uh, listening to this that if they've never experienced that new birthing (laughs) it's really it's a, a new breaking forth of the power of God unto salvation that today would be the day that that understanding would come, that Jesus Christ came. He lived on the earth. He went to the cross, paid the price for us, went to the grave, broke off the, the chain of death and went to heaven and then sent back the Holy Spirit to save us. That today would be the day that they would bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, accept him and believe in his resurrection. Father, I pray every person, and this comes because you'll be speaking. And for each one of us, God, today, I I just pray that there's things that I know you've been speaking to each one of us, each one of us, and we're just hesitating to respond, but now is the time to respond. I pray and speak courage in the name of Jesus, courage that comes from your word. And as Julie was saying about the blanket, Lord, that you wanted to just put over each one of us. Oh, God, we want it. I want it. And I thank you for that. Thank you for your precious presence today. Thank you that you haven't run even, Lord God, when we've been foolish. 
but you just stand at the door and keep knocking. You keep knocking until we open. And we love you and we thank you for that. And we bless you and we honor you today, God. We put our total trust and our faith in you and we know that if we know you, that we will do great exploits in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for that. And all God's people said, amen and amen. amen.